Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Uh, it's really going to be an exciting chapter, and I'm praying that the Lord will give me an opportunity to be able to make all three points, because I really am trying to get from chapter to chapter and just bring out some of the major uh, ideas within those chapters, but there's so much here, and a lot of a lot of you guys, we've we've hung out before over the years. We've we've studied into this chapter a great deal. I've preached on it before. It's just a, a, a beautiful place to be. I've shared it with with uh, funerals and, and lots of different things because of how powerful its truths are about the the eternal life that we have in Christ. I mean, it's just. It's just amazing. So we'll get into prayer and and dive right into the Word. <laughs> Father, we are grateful for you, for everything that you're doing, for the way in which you transform us. As oftentimes, Lord, we're not paying attention to that transformation. Oftentimes, we tend to rebel against it, even because that old nature that we have continually rises up within us and causes us to stumble. But you are so gracious to your children, Lord. When I think about a world that is lost and and that is under the weight of your wrath and in your judgment, I I can only imagine I was there at one time and it was the the very grace that you gave, even more so than the love you have for us as we have become your children. But it was that grace, Lord, that you gave that that brought us to the understanding of our need to become your children and and when we chose Jesus we chose life and now your love your mercy your you you just you pour out upon us but father there's a whole world that is there that is under the weight of your holiness and and in your judgment and father being separated from Christ is separated from life and but the wrath of God that abides upon them and this is a reality of why you have called us to be ambassadors, why you have called us to go into this world and bring the kingdom of God and, and proclaim the, the power of God in Christ Jesus, the deliverance of the soul from sin, uh, but only through Christ. And Lord, that, that I discovered this week that more than 76% of, of people that claim to be Christian also believe that that other religions can get them to heaven. But Father, that's not what the Word of God proclaims. That's not what our faith truly speaks. Jesus himself, as written in red, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except through me. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us a renewed vision of, of reality about this world around us that is being crushed by the weight of your holiness and that stands condemned through the law and the judgment that, that the only hope they have is if we tell them of Jesus, telling them about your love and telling them about your kindness and telling them about all of the squishy things that evangelicals speak about these days aren't going to get them to that, that raft of hope that they're longing for that they cannot see, only the reality of, of knowing their sin, Lord, and repenting of their, their, their wicked ways is going to be able to present them into the holiness of God as being forgiven. We pray that you will give us this understanding today in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And so we, we go through the reading of this particular section of the Word of God, and there's a few key words, which are the points that we have today that I'd like to call out to you. And thus it says for us in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning of verse number 1, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are confident, uh, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore we make it our aim, rather present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, rather good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in the appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, come now, or therefore, from now on, verse number 16, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There is so much in these scriptures that, that again, we could spend a year just verse to verse to verse to verse and how it connects throughout the whole of the Bible. However, this isn't what God has given for me to do. He's given me three very specific points from this chapter that I really want to stick to, even though I want to cover just every single thing because of how majestic, I mean, just how powerful. This one chapter, literally, I could grab from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, and I could pull it all together in this one chapter. And that that is how much 
that this chapter holds, but but there's three principal points and, and places that, that I want to take you to in this chapter today, and that's where I'm going to hang out. So, by all means, spend a great deal of time this weekend because this is a lovely day. It's Friday. We're able to have Shabbat from, from this evening over into Saturday. We have church on Sunday. And so very important, just, just, just soak this chapter in. Look at every word. Just, just think on it this weekend because, oh my goodness, it, it could truly transform the way that you, you live your Christian life. Okay, this chapter by itself can truly completely change the way you think about the world around you. It can change the way that you interact with others. It can change the the way you interact with God. It can change your your entire outlook about what your purpose is as being a child of God if you would just read every word, pay attention to everything in this. And now I digress to the points that I've been given. The first point is, is being absent from the body is being present with the Lord. And this is something so very important. As he would say uh, in the first three verses, he said, For we know that this earthly house, this tent, of course we understand he's talking about the body that we live in. He's just calling it a tent, and rightly so. Because we, when when corruption came into the world, as as death would come into the world because of sin and corruption, this this body doesn't last. It doesn't. It, it's so hard to maintain. The older that you start getting, the the harder it becomes to maintain it. I mean, I spent two days in a doctor's office with a with an infectious hole in my head. I mean, it's it, it's so difficult as you progress in age to keep this body ticking and going and and and, and the challenges of of this life we understand very keenly that this thing is just a tent that it's a temporary dwelling that we are in and that we have an eternity that is to come and and eternity is something that's really difficult to completely wrap our head around because eternity is something that is is unreachable in our finite our human mind but we've been promised an eternity and so he says even though we understand that if this earthly house is destroyed well, this body, this this particular flesh is going to be devoured by by the sin nature that it was born in. It's going it's going to die. But he says, those of us who are in Christ have a building from God, a house not made with hands. So as to say, made with hands as being made in the flesh or made by the flesh. Of course, we understand that that when a when a pink one and a blue one come together, that which is produced to become a new one is going to be produced through the nature of the flesh. It is the desire of the flesh of the male and the desire of the flesh of the female to come together and, and the production of that desire is a brand new child. But these are all the works of flesh or as it was being made with hands. And so that we understand that, that when we enter Christ, we become a new creation which is our second point that we'll look at in a moment, that, that we're no longer that which is made by hands, but we are now 
literally made uh, by God. We we are we have received a building from God that's not made with hands. And this is the importance of of the coming of of Jesus into this world is that Jesus didn't enter this world by by being made uh, with hands. Jesus didn't come into this world as a production of the flesh. Jesus came into this world as a production of the Spirit of God. Jesus was born in this world in the veil of the flesh without question, for it was necessary that a man die for the sin of man. The blood of bulls and goats could never satisfy, as recognized in in Hebrews between chapters 8 and 10. The blood of bulls and goats was just a figure of the thing that needed to come, and Jesus was the very thing that was necessary, for as a man, he could pay for the price of Adam. He could pay for the price of man, but the way in which he entered the world was not through the hands of man, so to speak. It was through the nature of God himself in the Holy Spirit. And so we see that that this house, we know this house right here that you're dwelling in is going to be destroyed. Some, some before others, some younger than others, but it's going to be destroyed for all because that all have sinned. It, it brings us back to the very core of the nature of the gospel is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all of the earthly houses of, of, of these bodies of flesh are going to be destroyed. And we know it once more. Verse 2 shows we know it. In this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation from heaven. We know that this is going to be a time where this body is going to quit working. We know, and and because of that, we groan. And the reason why we groan is because that, that this is the only tent, it's the only life, it's the only body that we've ever experienced. And so, to believe in eternal life and to believe in the, that vessel or that, that body which is to come, that building from God that's not made with hands, to believe these things is, is, is good and right, but to, to accept them, accepting them is a whole nother matter than just believing things. We believe a whole lot of things, okay? But there are a lot of things that we believe that we have yet to accept. Because, as was said once, I, I can believe anybody. I can believe anything. But until some things are experienced, it's it's hard-pressed that I'm going to accept those things. Because if you're telling me that something is true, and I have no other way to to evaluate what you're saying as being true, then fine, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna believe you for as much as I can trust you, right? I'm gonna believe you, but that doesn't mean that I have accepted those things which you have said. And I think we have a very large segment of those in our society that claim to be Christian today, who though they quote-unquote, though they believe the gospel for what it says because they've trusted their their pastor, they trusted their, their Sunday school teacher, they trusted their friends that were, that were quote, quote, Christian, and they, though they've believed it, they've yet come to accept those things as truth in their heart. And so anybody can 
can say just as what James had said in James chapter number four. He said that you believe that there is one God. You're, you've done well to believe that. He said, but the devils believe that and, and they tremble in his presence. And so as you can come to understand that there are plenty of things that you might believe in this life or believe in this world, but you've yet to come to accept that as an actual or literal truth. And that is what he's saying here. He's saying, for we who are in this tent groan being burdened. It's that burden of knowing that this tent is going to pass away, that this life is going to end, and that indeed those of us who believe in Jesus, that we are going to have a, a new eternity that is going to be with God in the heavens, that we're going to have a new body, a new everything, a new heart, a new new everything is going to be new. And, and we know that. I mean, it, in verse number 17, he says, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So we know that this is going to be new. We've, we've got the concepts. We say we believe the concepts. But have we accepted these points as truth in our soul yet? Because if we have, a lot of us would be entirely different from what we truly are. He says, well, we, it's that burden that we carry. We know in this tent we groan being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed. Praise God. We understand that this flesh is falling apart. We understand that it's broken. We understand it's no good. We don't even like it half the time. It's constantly a battle to keep it within its weight range and everything else that, that would be healthy. It's just a nightmare. He says, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. You know, we're so scared of losing this body. We don't want to lose this body. How about just giving us eternal life on top of this body? We don't want. We want to be the ones that are walking around when the trumpet blows. We get caught up in the rapture so that we don't have to taste the sting of death. He says, but further clothed, that mortality could be swallowed up by life. That's what we would want. That's what we would hope for. We're so afraid to face that destruction of this body. But he tells us, now he who has prepared us for this very thing, uh, of that life to come, of that eternity that, that, that we have promised to us, we've been prepared for it. And the person that has prepared us for this very thing is God. And he's given us the Spirit as a guarantee. But I have a nasty suspicion that there are many a believer that are out there that have no connection to the Holy Spirit that dwells within them. I'm not saying that you're lost. I'm not saying anything of the sort. Only you can know if you're saved or lost. I get that. But I think that, that our society has already proven through its lust of the flesh, its, its lust of the eyes, and its pride of life, even in the believers, that, that we have a society that has no connection to the Spirit of God. Now, in some parts, that's because we have replaced the Spirit of God with a false narrative, as it was. We, we've, we've come up with all of these ideas of, of gifts of the Spirit that actually have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit at all. And, and people have fabricated the, their lives in, in, in a connection to some spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. And so they, they claim Christianity and they claim supernatural power and gifts that are granted unto them and all of these things that have nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the reality of who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit's work is to do in mankind in this day. 
And so they 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 dance around with with their super piousness and holiness, but the problem is is that they have no genuine connection with God. And so that we have this spirit as a guarantee if we truly connected with the Holy Spirit by the word of God and we truly believe those things by accepting them that God's word says, then we would be a people that are completely prepared for what is to come, not because of some, some external superpower, but because God, through the Holy Spirit, has comforted us in these truths. And he says in verse number six, that we are always confident. As so many people I've met throughout my years as, as, as pastoring and, and, and serving in churches, and so many people that I've met that, that would say, well, man, I hope I'm going to heaven. Well, I hope I'd... And and they speak of the life to come in a position that they have totally no confidence in in God, in the Spirit, in in the the working power of His deliverance. They just no confidence. Well, I hope I hope He takes me. I hope I go. And oftentimes I say, You hope? You need to get saved. Well, I am saved. Well, then you wouldn't be hoping that this would happen. You would know that this was going to happen. <laughs> well, maybe I haven't been as good as I should be. Maybe it, and it doesn't have anything to do about you. That's the thing about this, is that it doesn't have anything to do with you. It has everything to do with God, with His glory being lived out in you. Now, <laughs> you don't live a life that is consistent with God's Word after having received Christ. There's one of two things. You've never received Christ. You just... You just lied, which is entirely possible, because remember, there are a lot of things that we believe that we haven't fully accepted, and anyone can go forward down an altar and say that they believe the things that that, that easy believism, you know, scriptures presented. Do you believe this is what this says? Yes, I believe that scripture. Yes, I believe that scripture. Yes, I believe that scripture. Well, pray this prayer after me, cupcake, and you'll be good to go. It's not true. Have you accepted the reality of the truth of God's word? Have you accepted it? You can believe a lot, but there's very little that you've accepted in your life, and you know that. Is God one of the things you have accepted? One of the one of the people that you have come to trust and obey? By the way, the song says that there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And it comes down and he says, We are confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Now, that's a given. If I'm sitting here talking to you right now, then I'm not going to be in the presence of the throne room of God with the saints on high being being there with with Jesus, the Lamb, at the present time, and with God, uh, I'm here with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not sure which one would be better. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to be there. I've read enough about it, studied enough about it, and taught enough about it to know what is the end of the child of God in this life is to be present before the Lord in His throne room, watching those 24 elders cast those crowns, and, and, and seeing all of the glory of that, that, that sight is just, that's not so bad. I'd be all right with that. And he said, 
that we walk by faith and not by sight, which believers today really need to soak in. And he says, therefore, we make it our aim, rather present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear. And this is this is second point. This is so important for us to really soak in at this moment, is that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I mean, we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, again, in, what was it, First Peter four seventeen, it says that judgment begins at the house of God, and if God will judge his own people, how much worse is it going to be for those that have rejected Christ? Well, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and, and at that, that each one may receive the things done in the body, and that is the whole point of of the judgment we as the church faces is the manner in which we conducted ourselves in this life as promoting our Father's kingdom among the the people in the world. If we've spent our life chasing after and building our own kingdom and not serving our Lord, but but maybe to show up on a Sunday and say, good message, pastor, that then we have wasted the very promises, the very gifts, the very talents that God has created us for. We've wasted this life because we chased after our own desires, even after surrendering to Christ and saying, I will serve you. We've wasted that, and we will have to pay the price because the judgment is about the things that we've done in our bodies according to what he's done, rather good or bad, very important understandings that this this judgment is going to happen to us. And, and at verse number 11, this isn't dealing with those that are perishing. This isn't dealing with those that are lost. Understand that this is, this is the apostle Paul talking to his church. And there are no lost people in the church. The church are those that have been saved and have been baptized and following, supposed to be following in obedience to the command of their Lord. And so this is not dealing with lost people. This is dealing with the church. This judgment seat of Christ that is referred to in verse 10 is is talking directly to us, not dealing with lost people. The, The only thing that lost people can do in their bodies is wickedness. They don't have any other direction. There is no righteousness to them because they have not Christ dwelling in their heart. They do not have and are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so there's no work that's going to be done that is considered righteous before God. As he said, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in Isaiah 64, 6, without Christ. And so understand this judgment seat of Christ that is being referred to in verse number 10 is a judgment seat applied to his church. That's us. And, and the apostle Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Church, you ought to have a healthy terror. (laughs) You ought to have a healthy fear in knowing who your father is and the justice of your father and the righteousness of his cause and the power of his holiness. Oh, we, we need to know who our father is again because the scripture reveals to us in this particular section right here that that the very 
call that we have is to persuade the world around us to recognize the authority of God and to surrender to his calling of their heart to repentance because if they don't, they will be judged and hell will be applied to them. There's no, there's no other way. If you do not turn to Jesus, you will burn. It, there is no other way. And, and you say, well, that's very caustic. That's very hateful. And, and again, more than 70% of, of people claiming to be Christian today have some weird idea that, that people can be saved through other religions. And, and the problem behind that is, is that other religions are thus because they do not follow Jesus. And if we accept and believe what Jesus said, then we know that no one can come to the Father by any other means, through any other means, and in the acceptance of any other means than Christ, than Jesus. He's the only hope this world has. And so it's very extremely important that that as we understand the judgment that is to come, we understand the terror of the Lord. We're called to persuade men. And thus, it comes down, he says, but we're well known to God, and I trust also are well known in your consciences that, that we've persuaded you, that we've made known the, the reality of God's righteousness to you, that we've made known the penalty of sin to you, that we've made known the, the raft of salvation in Christ Jesus to you, and that we have made known the path to Christ in repentance, that we've made it known to you, that we've persuaded you to turn from your wicked ways, just as God had cried out in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear, then will I forgive, then will I heal. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He said, we don't commend ourselves again to you, but give you the opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. And that is exactly the same thing, just different wording, but that's exactly the same thing that, that Peter said in First Peter chapter number 3, verse number 15 said, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to them that would ask of a reason of the hope that you have in you with meekness and fear. Well, Paul said that you can have an answer for those who boast in appearance but not in heart. He said, let them know the reality of Jesus as we have made known to you that you can make known to them. And I love uh, verse number 13. I preached a message about this one time. He said, if, if we're beside ourselves, it is for God. And if, we're, if we are of sound mind, it's for you. He said, if I'm out of my mind, it's for the sake of God. <laughs> if people think I'm nuts, well, praise God, it's, it's, for, it's for the sake of God. He says, but if I'm of a sound mind, if you've, if you've judged me as being a person that is keen of heart and sound mind, then that's for you. 
hear what I have to say. That's for you. He said, but if I'm out of my mind, well, praise, it's for God. Praise God, it's for God. He said, the love of Christ compels us. Now, when's the last time you've been compelled to do anything? But the love of Christ, if it truly dwells within you, is going to compel you to communicate with people the need for salvation. It's that the love of Christ compels us because we judged us. That if, if one died for all, if Jesus gave his life for everyone, then everyone was dead. And, and again, Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And everyone was dead. Everyone is dead unless they've come unto life through Jesus Christ. And thus he says, if one died for all, then all died. And, and verse 15, and he died for all. So we know this thing is true. He died for all. That those who live should live no longer for themselves. Now, that message right there has just clipped the wings of the majority of Christianity today. Right there. That they should no longer live for themselves, but that their life should be for him who died for them and rose again. That just destroyed the majority of the messages of, of pastors and churches uh, on the television, certainly. But, but in... in a lot of pulpits around the world right there that that you should no longer live for yourself but for jesus who died and rose again <laughs> oh y'all just dwell on that scripture right there for the whole weekend just just think on that therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh even though we have known christ according to flesh Yet we don't know him this way any longer. Why? Because he, he shed the flesh. He's now in the eternal estate. He's where we hope to be. So we must live according to what he has commanded us to live so that we may be there. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, our third point, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. He and he died for all that those, verse 15, who live should live no longer for themselves. Why? Because if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things living for self has passed away, and all things, but for him who died for them and rose again, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, what's the way to get to heaven? Who can get you to heaven? What works can you do to please God to get to heaven? Absolutely nothing. No one else and nothing else is going to satisfy the reconciliation of my soul to God except Jesus Christ. How do I know? Because the word of God says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. How? Through Jesus Christ. The end. This argument is over. The only hope you have in salvation is Jesus Christ. It's the only hope you have. Your baptism isn't going to be enough. The, the commemoration of, of his death, burial, and resurrection through the communion you take isn't going to be enough. There's no 
gift of merit found in these things, these external works aside from that which Christ has done on your behalf. All those things are of God indeed, and and God has reconciled us to himself, but not through those things. God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Something to have to think about anyways and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now we have this ministry to to carry unto the lives of others in this ministry of reconciliation. And what is that ministry? That is, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. This is God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not charging their trespasses against them, Uh, because Christ carried the charge of the transgression in himself to death, so that in his resurrection, those who would turn to faith in God through Christ Jesus should not taste of the penalty of death any longer, but should be set free through the gift of God in Christ, Not, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation, which is a great people to be committed unto this word because we know well what the reconciliation is. We have lived it. We have received it. What's our job? Verse number 20, what's our job? We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so we, we recap to our points in that the first point is recognizing the absence of the body. Indeed, there is coming a time where all mankind is going to become absent from their body. Those who have rejected God, who have never accepted his word, who who have never received Jesus are going to be absent from this body into an eternal torment in the pits of hell until the time of the the great judgment that we will be dealt with and cast into the lake of fire. Those who have rejected God's word, rejected salvation in Christ. Absent from the body for the children of God, what a thrill, (laughs) plain and simple. To, to be present with the Lord, to be in that, that beautiful throne room, to, be, to, to observe and see all the majesty of the things that are happening now and to be ushered into an eternal life with a new heaven and a new earth and the whole nine yards. To be absent from the body, certainly, is to be present or absent from the Lord for an eternity. Now, uh, as understanding the judgment seat of Christ, and and as believers, we know the terror of the Lord. It is given unto us to to reach out to those around us. As understanding their end is going to be an, an eternity in hell, in suffering, in torment, in separation from life, which is a second death, in separation from God, because they have rejected His teaching. They have rejected his word. They have not trusted in Jesus Christ. They have not accepted 
his his gift and sacrifice they they have rejected god and so they shall perish and in that point the terror of the lord ought to motivate us and ought to as other words used in this chapter compel us to tell them persuade them seek to lead them to know christ because if we don't care about them we will be adjudged as well by our father when we meet him and the last point is the new creation remember that he said to us that we should no longer live for ourselves but that our lives should be lived for him who died for us and rose again that that as recognizing we are a new creation in christ that means that the old nature the old desires passions the old ways of living are done away with those desires that we had prior to our salvation are, are dissolved in Christ and that we seek a, a whole new direction of life and living. And that, that those who are gripped by drugs be set free from those drugs to live a sober and clean life forevermore. Those gripped by alcoholism as, as being set free from alcohol so that they may be able to live a chaste life that is free from sin and and unto the lord forevermore as those with with difficulties and eating disorders as being set free from said disorders that they may be able to straighten out their heart and their lives is committed unto the lord and serve him forevermore for those that that have alternative lifestyles that are inconsistent with the word of god in christ is as surrendering those lifestyles unto the lord as being saved and separated from the, the 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 death that comes with with sin and and that they may be able to to live a life pleasing and consistent with God's word and so that we find that we are no longer to live for the passions and drives and desires that we have in our flesh but we are to live for God through God's word it's the only way we'll be able to understand it we live for God that the old things have passed away and that all things become new. And that we never forget that he who made Jesus, to he knew no sin. He made him sinless. He knew no sin to, so that he could receive all of our sin upon himself and die on that cross. That we could be brought into the righteousness of God through him. This is... 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I hope it's made a difference in your life. Father, we thank you and praise you, asking for your blessing to be upon us as we consider these things to only come together again on Monday at the corner here, going to chapter 6, but also on Sunday, Lord, as we seek those divine teachings that you would have for us through your word, we may rejoice in church together. In the blessed name of Jesus, as we pray unto thee. Amen. Well, guys, God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. And we'll catch you on Monday uh, for chapter number six here at Second Corinthians. If you're interested, keep on coming back for more. And, and we'll catch you on Sunday if you're interested at 10.30 a.m. here at uh, Martin Church on Facebook page to be able to rejoice in what the Lord is going to give us in his word. So with that, we'll talk to you after a while. Take care.